Hello. This episode is an interlude one, and it's called Not All Designers Are Created Equal. So in it, I'll be talking about why homeowners can have so many problems with the designers that they choose for their renovation or new home project. And I'll also be showing you how to avoid these problems and to not waste fees on designers that are a poor fit for you and your project. So let's go. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together, we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. For this and the next few episodes, we're having an interlude between podcast seasons. So I've done this a couple of times now. An interlude is where I take the opportunity to throw a few extra episodes in that will address specific questions I've received from the UA community or that share information from a current project, for example, or that highlight a specific topic that I know causes challenges for you as you go about building or renovating your home. Now, this episode is all about the designer that you choose for your project, and if you've decided to work with the designer, this is generally going to be the first choice that you need to make. Now, I say if because I do know that many homeowners don't work directly with a designer. You know, from what I've seen, especially in my time in Undercover Architect, the members in my online programs, you know, the homeowners that I speak to in the UA community, many will actually draw up their own design. Uh, They'll use an app or they'll draw it up on paper, and then they'll take that straight to a builder and the builder then may have their own drafting team or recommend a drafts person and so that homeowner prepared design literally gets converted from that those that design work into drawings that then you know get submitted for approval and for construction However, if you have decided to work with a designer, the first question that many homeowners have is, you know, who do I choose? And then this will be quickly followed by how do I know that they'll actually be any good? Now, before I go on, there's, you know, there's a big difference between design and drawing and many will confuse the two. So let me define those differences first. So then you can determine whether you're actually looking for someone to design your home or someone to simply draw it. So drawing is simply that it's putting a series of lines, rectangles and other shapes onto a page or into a computer in a format that is legible for those that need to read it. Now, it can also be known as drafting or documentation in the industry. And because it needs to be done in a certain way in order to be approved by your local council uh, or for your building approval and then to be built from, it does actually require experience and skill to execute well. So design is very different to this. You know, design is the, it's the act of interpretation. It's taking, you know, an instruction, a desire, a need or an aspiration that's presented by you as the homeowner and the designer then imagining that space and how it will best perform in order to meet those needs and aspirations and desires. It's the act of playing with volume and light to evoke feelings and emotions and mood. It's determining how materials and forms can be shaped into rooms and spaces and to create a home that best suits your functional needs, be durable and long-lasting, as well as actually lifting your spirit and helping you feel comfortable, 
comforted and at home. It's not an exercise of arranging rectangles and other shapes around on a piece of paper and then putting holes in walls for windows and doors to get indoor-outdoor connections. It's actually a process that works from the outside in. It balances form and materials, budget, brief and environment, and it, it qualitatively defines how someone needs and wants to live in and beyond their home and then interprets a platform that will enable that. It interprets a, con- a container, I suppose. It's a process that requires experience and skill to execute well. Now, design is not about high-end, luxurious and out-of-reach things, and it's also not about style or aesthetics or things that are linked to current trends and what's in fashion. I also believe that great design is not subjective. It, It sits beneath the subjective stuff of likes and dislikes and taste and current trends. It's actually about how something functions and feels. It's about how invisible it is because it's so logical in the way that it works. You know, great design just gets out of your way. You don't even notice it. And, and it's about how it resonates with us at a really deep level that's actually connected to how we interact with the world around us. Now, when you have an experience living like this, it can actually be really hard to know that things can be better. And once you have, it's very difficult to live differently. And I know this both from personal experience and from seeing how clients have responded when they've moved into finished homes that are designed for them. It's a very very different process of seeing what it actually looks like when you're living in a well-designed home and environment. Now, great design, the stuff that you should be chasing for your home, it's the design that makes your home and your life work. It's more convenient, more fun, more beautiful, less stressful, less chaotic, less frustrating. It makes your home feel great and you feel great in it. Now, the, the awesome thing about all of this is that great design is not about budget or having access to more money. To be really frank with you, and this is one of the reasons that I'm creating this episode, is that I have seen homeowners with really big budgets and big professional fees end up with terrible designs, okay? So paying more, both in fees and in construction costs, it's not a guarantee that you'll get better. And I have seen homeowners with small budgets and small professional fees get amazing results and really beautiful functional homes that are great design outcomes. Now, you can work with many design professionals on the design of your home. You know, architects and building designers, they're the most common that homeowners choose from. However, I've also seen homeowners get their homes designed by draftspeople, interior designers and builders. Now, look, this is is not a, a place for me to be diving into the difference between all of these professions. I've got loads of information on Undercover Architects blog about that. So I'll pop some resources into the show notes if you're keen to explore more and you want to understand the difference between these industry professions. You know, anytime that I do explain the difference, I find it's a really contentious subject anyway. Um, There's differing opinions about the difference between them all. However, after having thousands of floor plans go across my desk in my career done by other professionals from various parts of the industry, and in all of the conversations that I've particularly had with homeowners inside Undercover Architect, I will say this one thing. As with any profession, there are those that are great at what they do and those that are not, but they still get clients and they run profitable businesses. Paying someone loads of money is not a guarantee that you'll get a great outcome or a great experience. 
someone's title or qualification does not immediately mean that they'll be amazing at what they do or a good fit for you. Okay, so not all designers are created equal and it's essential that you get yourself informed so that you can sift and filter the good from the bad and find the best designer for your needs. One that is a great fit for you. Now, a great designer, and there are many, there's so many of them out there, it's, you know, they're worth far more than their fees will ever cost you. So, you know, the value that they'll add in helping you feel safe and supported and confident in your project, it's indescribable. The experience that they have, uh, you know, to enable you to mitigate risk and to leverage off the other off, off other projects that are like yours that they've done in their career, you know, this will really make your own home and your own project journey so much better. Their connections in the industry, they will provide you with a collaborative team that work cohesively together to bring your dream to reality. Their knowledge will improve your project. It'll also improve the value of your asset and the outcome in your home. And their design expertise will become the experience of your home. You know, the way you feel each day when you walk in, the stage for your family memories and celebrations. It's the place that is the launch pad for your life and your haven at the end of each day. So how do you find the right designer for you and your project? Well, firstly, it's about this thing. It's about accepting that not all designers are created equal. And then it's a case of assessing their experience, how they treat you and knowing how to work with them to get the best from the relationship. So I'm going to give you seven nuggets of knowledge that you can use to assess your designer. Now you can use these before you start working with them to determine if they're worth hiring and then you can use it in the early stages of the project when there's still time to walk away without too much collateral damage. Okay so let's dive in. Now nugget number one, they have a process that demonstrates efficiency. Now, design education courses, be it in a TAFE course for building design or a degree for architecture or interior design, you know, it's very rare that they teach business education or client management. Designers, I find, are not trained at a tertiary level to write fee proposals. I certainly wasn't, you know, or to manage client relations. They're not taught necessarily or explicitly to be organized and communicative and responsive. You know, these are all skills that might be inherent to them as a person or inherent to their success uh, in their design education or learned on the job and that they rely on the designer actually being proactive in learning them and in implementing them. Now, from the minute that you email a potential designer or you pick up the phone to call them, they actually have an opportunity to demonstrate to you how organized and efficient they are in client management overall. And in their initial meeting with you and in any proposals that they put together, they will also demonstrate what they're going to be like to work with over the longer term. So do things feel well managed? You know, can the designer talk you through their client and project process? Do they indicate timelines and methods of communication and expectations for how the working relationship will roll out? Do you feel that they've done this before, that they're actually well practiced in what they're doing? Do you feel like they're showing strong communication skills? You know, does it feel like they're listening to you, that they're tailoring what they do and how they do it to you and your needs and your project's needs, you know, and particularly for you as a potential client? Now, if a designer seems flustered or disorganized or there's any sense of chaos or haphazardness in a way that they're dealing with you, you know, this is not creative flair typical to the industry. This is your first red flag. So pay attention 
If you don't mind it for your project, then that's totally your choice. But if you want efficiency and reliability from your designer, then don't ignore a lack of process in how they initially deal with you and just hope that it will get better along the way. Now, nugget number two is that they can communicate. Now, I mentioned this as part of number one, but this goes further. When I think about my time at university, I know that we were being taught communication at one level. You know, we were always needing to communicate our design ideas and present our work, you know, from weekly tutorials with our design tutor to then presenting our final submissions. You know, this is over a six-year degree. So we'd be standing in front of a design jury that was made up of some university staff and also external members of the industry. And we'd have a set time frame in which we'd need to present our design and then to respond to questions and to criticism. And it was definitely a baptism by fire uh, that was designed to simulate client presentations. So we weren't being explicitly taught how to communicate, but it was certainly something that we practiced during our degree. Since finishing university, though, I've obviously had loads more experience in communication, you know, from working in a massive team of consultants to deliver the Sydney Olympic site to working with homeowners on over 250 projects and loads of other things in between. You know, that's that's a lot of communicating to bring these projects to reality. But I've also done specific communication training, you know, actual explicit communication training that that's been I've done as part of you know being inside teams and having coaches come in and that type of thing to actually train us how to communicate with each other and with our clients and you know this has helped me learn how to work better with my clients and to help me understand as much about what people don't say as what they do say You know, often as a design professional, you're working in a really intimate way with homeowners. You're being trusted with with really personal information about their finances, about the way that they live, about the way their marriage works, uh, their personal extended family setup. You know, you're sometimes mediating between couples uh, or you're managing difficult decisions and sensitive information to move projects forward. If it's a family home, the homeowner will naturally bring a lot of emotion to the relationship as well. And so the designer needs to manage and hold space for that in order for things to to work out. So, you know, have a look. Does the designer communicate well with you? Not just in what they say, but in how they say it. You know, do they seek to help you understand things that you don't? Do they actually check in to see that you're not confused or overwhelmed? Are they patient and not patronizing? You know, do they listen to you and do they and do they demonstrate that they're listening? Can you speak to others that work with them, to say builders, uh, other people that they might be bringing in on your team to see what they're like as a communicator? Any previous clients also could be a good source of information about this. You know, it's important that the, that the designer actually shows an ability to communicate well with all team members, not just with you. Early red flags, they're always visible here. Don't dismiss it as awkwardness or getting to know you or their personal quirks. You know, I found that even the most introverted designers, they will figure out other systems to get the info that they need from clients, or perhaps they'll bring on another team member who is a better communicator so that they can still help clients feel communicated with and supported. A lack of communication here at the beginning will not get better over time. Now, nugget number three is that they don't take feedback personally. Now, this is going to be super important for you to have a good 
working relationship with your designer. And if you're like most homeowners I know, you'll possibly struggle to give feedback. Look, there's something about how I see homeowners working with designers that it can feel like an artistic process of creation. And some designers will talk about the designs that they're doing for you, like they're talking about an extension of themselves. So it can feel personal to give feedback on things that you do or that you don't like, or to request something different, or to tell them that you just flat out don't like it. And, you know, and sometimes sometimes homeowners really struggle to even articulate why they don't like something. It might just be because it doesn't feel right to you. Now, as a side note here, you know, this is where a designer's communication abilities will become super relevant for you and why that's nugget number two. So what I often say you know, homeowners that they're not able to explain exactly what they do or don't like about a design. And so as a designer, you know, you need that information, obviously, to be able to develop the design and continue on to other options. So you need to get to the bottom of why they do or don't like something so that you don't just keep running around in circles. Now, as a designer, you need to work out whether they don't like it, perhaps because they don't understand it, or they can't visualize it. You know, is it because they had a picture in their mind, and this is different to what you've presented and so and they haven't let go of that picture yet and they don't see a reason to let go of it yet you know is is it because they they don't potentially realize the constraints of their site or their budget or their brief and so you know they don't really understand why the picture in their head isn't achievable is it because you know the designers just evoke some horrible childhood memory that they can't actually put their finger on but you know reminds them of a place that they really didn't like living uh, you know, is it because they know that their partner won't like it, but their partner can't actually bring themselves to say it? So this, you know, so they're saying it on their partner's behalf. You know, all of these things can be dancing in that statement of of you know you as a homeowner saying it just doesn't feel right. And it's your designer's job to get to the bottom of that really quickly and fairly painlessly so that, you know, you can be confident that they know what they need to know in order to come up with a design that you do like. So you can see how important uh, communication skill and ability is in this aspect. Now, back to this idea of not taking feedback personally. Look, to be frank, I know that all of my designs, they do feel like a piece of me. You know, I often joke with my kids that I had babies before I had them as babies, you know, that I had project and home babies (laughs) before I had human babies. And I think it's inevitable, you know, I know that when I'm designing for a client, you know, I'm walking around that house in my head whilst I'm creating it. And so I'm seeing it in my imagination well before they see it at all, let alone it gets built and they get to live in it. And so it feels like something that's with me all of the time. And it may sound a bit woo-woo and a bit, you know, kind of tortured artist, but the creative process, it's not something that necessarily happens just because you sit down at a drawing board between the hours of nine and five. It's like living with this other end entity that just hangs around and kind of unfolds and and processes itself and and you know for the time that you're working with a client it that's that'll just be sitting there and you know but I'm also super honest about the fact that I'm simply a vehicle for bringing these designs to life you know they're ultimately the client's home and it's the client's investment and it's where the client will be living and so I know that the people that people work with me for a reason um, and so I'm also conscious that I'm not a drawing service I'm actually a design professional so if you're if you're wanting just a drawing service you know You've got to look at who you're using. Just use a drafts person if you're just wanting a drawing service. Don't use a design professional. Tell the drafts person exactly what you want them to draw them draw up. But if you want if you want design, then use a design professional. Now, 
You'll need to provide feedback to your design professional as you work with them throughout your project. This, this is essential in order for you to get the home and the outcome that you're seeking. Now, if you believe that your designer is going to be personally offended by you giving feedback uh, or they're going to be offended if you seek a second opinion from another design professional uh, about you know, what they've been doing or you're questioning something and the way it is, you know, this is a really torturous way to do your project. You'll feel beholden to that design professional and, you know, you're not the patron of some Renaissance artist here, okay? You're working with a design professional to deliver your project, okay? Now, so it's really important that your design professional doesn't take feedback personally. They may have good reason for why something has been created that way, but it's important that you can have an open and honest conversation with them about how you feel about the work that they're creating for you. Now, the flip side of this is also important, and that leads me on to my next nugget of knowledge, number four, which is a good designer will tell you what you need to hear. Now, this is opposed to telling you what you want to hear, okay? So telling you what you need to hear, it's not always easy. However, it's actually the most professionally responsible thing to do. And if you want a designer that just says yes to you all the time, then you're actually better off not hiring them at all. The better designers that I speak to, they often feel like they're telling homeowners the truth about their projects and that can often lead to them losing them as clients. And these homeowners, they'll just keep searching for a designer who tells them what they want to hear. And then inevitably the project ends up over budget, over time or not going ahead at all after loads of money has been wasted on professional fees. You want a designer who becomes a trusted partner for you, a designer that uses their expertise and experience to give honest feedback about you, your design desires, your budget, your approval pathways, your overall timeframes. This is what will make your homework and your project deliverable. Having a designer that will ultimately say no to you if need be and back it up with reasons as to why it's not suitable for your needs, your budget or your site. You know, this is all important in all of the decisions that you'll need to make so that you can stay on track. Now, I'm not talking here about giving your designer a license to run roughshod over you and all of your decision making and input. So see back to number three on that one. You know, they need to be able to take, they need to be able to take feedback without taking it personally. However, you know, far too often I've actually seen a designer, a designer too scared to speak up uh, or they promised the ridiculous and the unreasonable because they felt it was the only way to secure a project. If you've been told one thing by several different designers, but you finally find the one who says yes to all the requests that everyone else was saying were difficult to achieve for your budget and your timelines, it's most likely not a find, okay? It's an early red flag and it needs to be investigated more. Now, nugget number five is that they will guide you. So you hire a designer for their expertise and how that expertise fills a knowledge and experience gap between where you are now and where you want to get to in your new build or renovation project. So designers should guide you. You know, this builds on the previous points that I've mentioned, but it's really a case of saying that they're seeking to meet you where your needs are at. So does the designer work to extricate important information from you? Do they have a format of sharing information with you that shows you what you need to provide and what expectations there are of you and the role that you'll play? 
You know, do they give you feedback on what you're asking for and how realistic it is? In the early stages, do they show you how to review things, how to communicate with them and what to expect in terms of responsiveness and who you'll actually be working with? Is it the person that you met in the initial meeting or do they have a team under them that you'll be dealing with on a day-to-day basis? I've often had homeowners get in touch with me out of pure frustration. They can't seem to get their designer to tell them what they should do, how they should proceed forward, you know, and as newbies, they feel lost and unsure of what should be the best next step. And they've asked their designer for direction and their designer has just told them it's it's their choice. Now, an experienced designer knows their professional responsibility is to show a duty of care to their clients, to present them with the scenario and then to guide them to make the best decision for them, to anticipate the risks they don't see, and to help them avoid them. It's this delicate space between leaving a homeowner completely adrift without a rudder and at the other end being far too didactic about every step that they must take. You know, again, red flags are really obvious here if you're on the lookout and you also want to be clear with your designer about what your expectations are and how you wish for them to guide and support you. Often it can be as simple as saying, you know, we're completely new to this. This is our first project, either renovating or building. We need you to tell us when we're running off course uh, or not doing things in the best interest of our project. We'd like you to be honest and open with us so that we can create a home that works for us and that meets our budget and our needs. Then... You need to listen when they give you what you've asked for. That's the trick, okay? So don't ask for it and then not listen to their guidance. It's actually really frustrating to the project and the working relationship. As a design professional, when a client is paying you for your expertise and then ignoring every piece of advice that you offer and worse still then blaming you when things don't go well, it's really hard to manage that in a working relationship and it's impossible to be accountable to it, all right? So... Look for designers that will guide you and then listen to their guidance. Now, nugget number six is that they treat your money like their own. Now, this may feel a bit extreme and it's, you know, it's it's simply a way of saying that they actually consider it a privilege to be helping you spend your money on your future home. You know, they demonstrate a duty of care about it. You want to work with a designer who honours the trusting relationship in working with you, a designer that's respectful in helping you decide what you'll invest your budget in and works responsibly to support you through your project. The designers who do a great job for their clients, they actually guide client activity and expenditure. You know, they'll keep clients on track. They'll remind them of their budget. Budget is part of the conversation at every meeting. They consider it an important part of the brief and they don't shy away from discussing it. Now, this may mean that they tell you things that you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And this may mean that you need to hire other professionals along the way to get extra information based on on your designer's recommendations. So, you know, the thing is that budget and the cost of building and renovating, it's a bit of a moving feast. And designers won't always know down to the exact dollar what your building or renovation will cost. You know, their ability to advise you on this will be related to how much work they're doing, that is like yours in projects that are like yours. So great designers, they work collaboratively with others like builders and they keep records on their previous projects as well. So this is how they help you understand what your budget will buy. So listen to what they tell you. And to be frank, you know, one of the things that I've seen happen regularly for other designers and myself is that the homeowner will give one budget and then they'll move through the project knowing that they have a different amount. And so a great designer will actually tailor their design 
for your budget and you may be limiting the quality of your design by thinking that you're going to keep this extra money in reserve down the track. So instead, you know, be honest, say that you have a certain amount for the build, but you want to keep a contingency for some of those luxurious choices or those high-end materials or for unknown risks, all those types of things, rather than you being secretive about it and all of a sudden changing the goalposts at once the design is done. So some things to look out for here, you know, does your designer give you a sense of comfort that they've got your back? Do they feel, do you feel that they'll be in your corner? You know, do do the, do you think that they're thinking about your project and how to protect you? You know, do they, do they talk to you about your budget and about how it's going to be best invested, how you're going to get bang for buck, where it's important for you to spend it so that you really create a great home for your needs. You know, the red flag is obvious. If they're not talking about your budget, if you don't feel that they've got your back, if they're not asking about, you know, the money that you've got to spend, they're not reminding you about it, then chances are it's not important to them. And if you don't feel that they're in your corner and that you're they're thinking about your project when you're not, then I find that that's a really good early red flag as well. Now, nugget number seven is that they have industry knowledge and experience. Now, this will be fairly evident, but some of the greatest mistakes that I've seen for projects is where the designer just simply had insufficient experience. So they've not had experience, for example, in budgets, designing to a budget or determining what a build or reno will cost. They've not had experience in planning regulations or working with your council to understand what's relevant to your property. And this has resulted in development approvals being rejected or homeowners having to go right back to square one with the design and repaying fees and approval costs or having to abandon the project altogether. I've seen designers not have experience with construction materials or detailing and not understand the way that their design will impact the structural engineering uh, or the overall build of the project and then ultimately the cost, of course. I've also seen designers not be familiar with building codes and that can cause issues down the track during the construction process and you're getting your building approvals. And I've also seen designers just not have sufficient experience in projects to help anticipate risks and manage the overall process well. Now, if you're not paying your designer to coordinate all of these things for you and provide all of this extra knowledge for your project, then that can be problematic for your project. Don't assume that this will all be included in the service if you haven't explicitly asked for it. If you're working with a fresh graduate as well, you'll almost uh, you'll most likely be paying less fees too. And so there needs to be under some understanding on your part here. I've seen builders actually be completely shocked that designers walk out of their education not understanding, say, the intricacies of the National Construction Code or the local planning legislation. These are things that are usually learnt on the job. And so if you are working with a new graduate, then find one who's worked inside a firm prior to finishing their studies or ask them if they have a mentor that they can turn to to support them with knowledge that they might need or ultimately know that you'll need to manage that risk yourself. Generally, if you are working with a graduate, there might be some gaps that you need to fill or understand so that you've got that experience and expertise on your project that your project might need. Now, those seven nuggets of knowledge again were, number one, they have a process that demonstrates efficiency. Number two, they can communicate. Number three is that they don't take feedback personally. Number four is they tell you what you need to hear. Number five is that they guide you. Number six is that they treat your money like their own. And number seven is that they have industry knowledge and experience. 
And that's it. Now, I do hope that you found that helpful in looking at how you're going to find a designer that's the right fit for you and know very early on whether they're going to be the best designer to work with for your project. Now, in the next episode, I'll be taking you through what should be in a designer's fee proposal. This is a question that I get a lot from homeowners and particularly inside my online programs. And I have seen some really interesting fee proposals come across my desk uh, and it's not something that's taught in in design education. And to be frank, you know, some of the ones that have cost, come across my desk have been pretty shocking and they open up both the designer and the homeowner to huge amounts of risk. So, you know, as is my way, I'll be worst case scenarioing this and, uh, and really looking at, you know, what you can have in your fee proposal uh, and what you should be seeing in your fee proposal from your designers and from other professionals as well so that everyone is protected. So make sure you tune in then. In the meantime, head to the show notes for more resources on working with a designer. And I've also popped the entire transcript of this episode into the podcast blog this week, okay? So head to the show notes so that you can grab that link or go straight to the Undercover Architect website. Many listeners will actually tell me that they listen over and over to the episodes and they even take notes. So with this one, you can just reread it on the blog if you wish. Now, be sure to spend time on undercoverarchitect.com where you can get loads of support and guidance on how to create a home that works for you. And there's, of course, all the previous podcast episodes, but there's also over, I think, 150 blog posts as well that have extra information and guidance in them. You know what? You are the most powerful asset in your project. You are the one that holds the key to unlocking what is possible for your home, your budget and the outcome that your renovation or new build will create. So I've got a free e-guide on the website. It's called How to Design a Home, Five Simple Steps to Get Started and Get It Right. This e-guide will take you through how to create a home that works for you both now and always. And it's based on my work with hundreds of clients over more than two decades in the industry. And it will really simplify the design of your future family home. So you can get it by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash home design. Okay, undercoverarchitect.com forward slash home design. You being an informed homeowner is seriously the biggest difference you can make between a a great project and a disaster. It's what will help you have clarity and confidence in finding the best team, knowing how to ask for what you want, being sure that you get what you pay for and getting it right in your future home. An undercover architect is your secret ally. So thanks for listening and until next time, bye. Bye.